2: Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are listening to The Dan
4: Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Jay, thank you for getting up uh, after last night's game. Where do you want to start?
5: Well, it sounds like you could use some legal representation. <laughs> yes. I'd be, I'd be happy to help you with your trademark <laughs> copyright issues.
4: <laughs> How are you on trademark and copyright infringement?
5: Pretty good, actually. I I actually had a a case, uh, a a pretty good case in trademark copyright.
4: Okay, Uh, we came up with Tampa Bay. We tweeted it out, put it on our show. We had a T-shirts made and then we heard from Tom Brady's camp, a cease and desist. Did we have any legal grounds to stand on?
5: You probably did, but uh, that's that's a normal practice for people that are trying to protect intellectual property, they have to, you know, they send a cease and desist and they might take further action if they don't they they run the risk of losing their their trademark copyright rights. So um, if you would have pushed back, who knows where it would have been. But usually what people do is they just kind of stop because they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, that's the easier. But I don't know. I don't know whether Tom Brady or his companies have have trademarked that uh, or or they have copyright um, protection for it. They
4: trademarked it after we came up with it.
5: Wow, that that'd be a that'd be a fun fight. Let's I, I say let's roll up our sleeves. No, we'll no, go.
4: because you're friends let's with go Brady. Go
5: terrific. No, M-
4: remember Tom I, stayed over at your house. Would
5: you be that willing? Doesn't, that doesn't make us friends. That that this is money, man.
4: <laughs> okay, are you willing to take on Augusta? Because we got a cease and desist from Augusta.
5: That's different. I'd like to play there.
4: again. <laughs> All right. That's all I needed you for, Jay. Thanks for coming on. Uh, How would you describe the first five minutes of last night?
5: A beatdown. Baylor just crawled into Gonzaga and just was just, I mean, the physical presence they had on the floor, they seemed bigger, seemed stronger, and, uh, and they just took everything from Gonzaga. It wasn't like... You know i think most of us going into the game had said you know gonzaga needs to take care of the ball that baylor forces a turnover on almost 25 percent of their opponent's possessions uh during the year and but but it, it wasn't like gonzaga was throwing the ball away baylor was taking it from him, and there's a difference and they could you know gonzaga couldn't run anything they, they couldn't get they, they they basically had their backs turned in trying to run some sort of offense so while all of us were talking about maybe the the best passing and cutting team we've seen in i don't know how long uh because who ranks that stuff but i couldn't i couldn't remember anybody better uh they couldn't see the cutters because they were just overwhelmed with ball pressure and pushed further out drew timmy was trying to drive some of the big guys um and he you know he lost the ball on on occasion uh, i think he turned it over three times in the first 10 minutes and then Baylor just went after whatever matchup they liked. And Gonzaga was switching, and Drew Timmy switches out on Macy O'Teague or something like that. And they're like, okay, here we go. And just went after it. was like an NBA team uh, going after a EuroLeague team.
4: Are we going to remember Baylor winning a championship, or are we going to this year with, uh, or Gonzaga with, uh, you know, Suggs's game winner to beat UCLA? Like 15 years from now, are we. When we think of this year, what do, you, what do you think we're going to
5: remember? I think we'll remember both. Uh, I mean, I think we'll remember Gonzaga as, as being a great team that was right there to do something that hasn't been done in 45 years and, and falling short, obviously. And you'll always remember the champion. Uh, and Baylor, like this year, Dan, I mean, you, you probably heard it and said it as much as I did. Uh, that Gonzaga and Baylor were the top tier of the game. They had separated themselves early in the season. They were the best teams. And when Baylor, I I believe this to be true, that if Baylor had not gone through that COVID pause they had, I think it was in February, where they they were off for 18 days. And it wasn't like it was a contact tracing COVID pause. They had eight or nine guys on their team that had the virus. So it knocked them sideways and they weren't the same team when they came back initially. I did their second game back, I think it was, at Kansas, and and they got beat pretty good there. And I, I remember saying during the game, like, this is not the Baylor team we've seen. This is the COVID Baylor team, and getting criticized for we are making excuses, Kansas is a better team. And I'm like, no, they're not. I mean, they're winning, but they're not the better team. Like, come on. Uh you can't you can't ignore what we've seen and and what we may see again. And then uh, in the in the NCAA tournament, it, it was Gonzaga and Baylor, and that's pretty much it. Those were the two best teams. I just didn't anticipate uh, Gonzaga getting hit like that. Like, so I mean, you saw the game. So it, when it when they knocked it to ten, when Gonzaga got it down to ten at halftime, I was saying, okay, that's a manageable number. Yeah. Like we we could see that we we could see they can do this. And then Jared Butler hit a couple threes to start the second half. You're like, okay, whatever crack there was in that door, it is now shut. The game was over after the first three minutes of the second half.
4: We are always looking to replicate the champions, a style that champions have. NFL, it happens all the time. But can you replicate what Baylor does? They they led the nation in three-point field goal percentage. I think the only other national title team to do that was Indiana, back with Steve Alford. Maybe the first year they had the three-point shot. Can you, can you replicate what they did?
5: Yeah, um, but you're going to have to have great guards that can defend at that high of a level. Like, I, I think their three-point shooting was a big factor, obviously, but it wasn't the only factor. That early on in the season, I think we had identified Baylor as having the best defensive backcourt in the country. The, and, and I'm not sure it was a close call. Uh, and with Davion Mitchell, like he, he's a lottery pick. That guy is the real deal. Um, he, he's, a, he's unique in that he is unbelievably strong and uh, and he's unbelievably explosive. He's got another gear and he's he's got leverage. He stays in front of you. Uh, really an incredible defender. It's no wonder he was the National Defensive Player of the Year with the way he affects the game. Uh, but Baylor was good last year. Like They were a number one seed last year before the tournament got called off. I don't think they were a no-brainer to win it. Uh, but but they could have won it, and they've been knocking on this door for quite a while now. And but so's Gonzaga. That that's kind of the funny thing. Gonzaga is the more interesting case to me because Baylor's a Power Five team with a you know Power Five football and all that stuff. Gonzaga has been to six straight Sweet Sixteens. Six straight. There's only a couple other programs that have done that in the game's history. They've won they, they've won thirty or more, including last year in five straight years that's never been done before ever (laughs) and and so we're talking about and they've been to i think it's four of the last six elite eights um and two of the last four title games that's not a fluke like this is not some little mid-major that they play um you know they they play an easier schedule therefore they're more like that that's just not fair and people are saying that now i mean you see it on social media told you they they were a fraud like really really um they're they're really good and they're going to be just as good next year because they've got big time players like now they're starting to recruit the superstar high school players and they've always gotten transfers uh but they're not going to go away either so uh we're going to see this we're, we're we could very likely see this again and not just with these two teams but is not going anywhere
4: he's jay billis from the mothership what about the transfer portal Vital has been, you know, railing on this, that we got all of these players are able to transfer. Uh, Where do you stand on this?
5: I don't think the execution of the portal is a very good idea, Dan, but this, this is a a result of two things. One, it's a result of coaches complaining about poaching, you know, the idea that uh, they had a player on their roster that the player was interested in leaving somebody contacted another school and said, do you have a space, do you have space available? And they kind of negotiated the player's way out. Didn't like that. Didn't like the fact the player didn't come into their office, sit down, have a heart to heart with good old coach, and you know let's let's talk this out and uh, let's let's battle through adversity and all that stuff. Um, so the so the coaches didn't like it. Well, now they got the transfer portal, so the players are telling them, and they just go and uh, and it's an it's kind of an open invitation to leave. Um, and we're going to see more of it. Uh, so the transfer market is here to stay. Uh, but the other part of it is the NCAA cannot justify this year-in-residence thing, having having uh, a player sit out. Like, think about this one. Uh, in high school, you have no college experience at all, and they expect you to make a binding decision on where you go to college. But after you've been in college and you've experienced it, then you can't be trusted to leave and, and make your decision based upon your <laughs> having college experience. Look, I know what it's like to play for this guy. I don't want to do it anymore. And, uh, nope, can't be trusted. you got to play through adversity. My parents told me to do it. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me transfer. Well, then talk to the parents and tell the parents, tell your kid not to transfer. But but this whole thing, and then the NCAA didn't want uh, to, they, they don't want to argue over the year in residence anymore, which was an old vestige when there was freshman ineligibility, because they want to argue about money. Like the, the, Their stance on transferring could hurt them in court while they're arguing about money. And and who knows what's going to happen with the U.S. Supreme Court in the next month and a half when they come down with their decision in the Alston case? But I think we've seen amateurism. Uh, it's it certainly if it's not on life support, you know, somebody's got their hand on the plug. You know, it, it's going to get pulled at some point. Now, whether the, whether it gets pulled soon, uh, I don't know. But uh, but it's not going to last much longer. It just can't.
4: But also, you have, you have this situation where players wanted to meet with the NCAA president, Mark Emert and here they are in Indianapolis, and then he says, you know, we can meet after. Like, where where are we headed here, Jay, in the next year or so, or is it going to be sooner than that, or is it going to be later than that, that we see maybe some kind of change?
5: Well, first of all emmer emmer did say he would meet with the players there was some sort of miscommunication there and it was it was reported that it would be after but he said he'd meet with them when their schedules could could do it so he he never said he wouldn't would meet with them during the tournament um but but meeting with him is useless um there's nothing nothing he can or will do uh he he, i I think to to say that he has been a failure as ncaa president would be an, an understatement he's been a colossal failure but where we're headed is the players are going to have the same rights going forward as literally everybody else like you know the one thing that the ncaa has never done is they've never evolved with the changing times the only way they've evolved is by saying hey we need to evolve in our making money but we can't evolve with the players and the and the rest of like they're going to stay where they are but everything else we're going to evolve with the times and Look, I love coaches as much as anybody. It may sound like I don't when I'm, I'm talking about them right now, but I, I've grown a little tired of listening to coaches say, you know, when I got into coaching, it was, I didn't get into it for money. You know, well, but you took the money, you know, you didn't turn down the money. You know, everybody says that, well, this, this is about the kids. They, they call them kids all the time when they're adults. It's, it's called men's basketball and women's basketball. Uh, they're not kids. They're adults. And if we can sell them for billions of dollars, if they're old enough to sell, they're old enough to bargain for their fair market value. And just the NIL thing, which everybody seems to think is a compromise, it's gonna to lead to, to an open, open market at some point because it has to. But you know, the, the argument now is only Zion Williamson and Trevor Lawrence are gonna make money. Everybody, that's not true. Uh, women are gonna make a ton of money. People you've never heard of because we're old men Like this system has been run by old white men for long enough and it needs to open up and evolve and and the athletes need to be allowed uh, to act in the marketplace just like literally everyone else because as you know dan uh far more non-athletes get scholarships than athletes and and there's no non-athlete that is told what they can earn or accept in the marketplace by by virtue of being a student or by virtue of accepting a scholarship. Like, do we call that pay when a non-athlete gets a scholarship? Well, you shouldn't get anything more because you get a scholarship. Like, that's absurd. It's absurd to tell a non-athlete that, and it's absurd to tell an athlete that. And look, if an individual school doesn't want to pay, then don't pay. Just like you don't have to pay your coaches millions of dollars. You don't have to build facilities. You don't have to have a hospital. Don't do any of that if you don't want to. But, but you know, banding together like a as a cartel, which the NCAA is, um, that's just not going to work in the long run. It's amazing it's worked this long, but if you if you try to read tea leaves from the Supreme Court's questioning and, and oral argument about a week ago, uh, they're not buying it. Uh, unless they were just stress testing an argument, and they're all on the other side of it. Um, longtime court observers have said they didn't feel the argument was a good thing for the NCAA.
4: Uh, I love you, fired up.
5: Uh, have a good off season,
4: <laughs> whatever that is, Jay. Uh, have a good off season.
5: Sounds like I'm going to be jumping into court to protect you from these evil, <laughs> evil Tom Brady sending you a cease and desist. Doesn't he have enough money? He can't let you make a t shirt.
4: I don't even know if he knows that I'm the one who came up with the t shirt.
5: Oh, he knows, Dan. He's sitting there, you think, you know, st- stroking a hairless cat, <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> with, with an evil laugh.
4: <laughs> Dan Dan Patrick will not have it. Probably has here. a pinky ring. Oh, you're darn right. Yeah, he got a Super Bowl <laughs> ring for his pinky, and he's got it right Cont- there like that, controlling the world. Yes. Uh, thank you, Jay. Good to see you, bud. That's thank Jay you. Billis from the Mothership. Be sure to catch the live edition of the
2: Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
4: Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. It's, you can't debate it. I would try it. No, least. you can't. Taste as great as the barbecue you're making. The beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. It tastes like a beer. Less filling. Only 96 calories. With a Miller Lite in hand, grilling doesn't just taste great. It, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered to your door, visit MillerLite.com Patrick. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells great beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces. You've probably put this off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that will elevate your game. Touring tires for commuting comfort. How about performance tires for sporty handling? All terrain if you're going on and off road adventuring. Go to tirerack.com and get started. You're not sure where to begin? I suggest the easy to use tire decision guide. Get a personalized tire recommendation, the right tires for how and what and where you drive. Choose from the full lineup of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They bring the tires to your home or office and install them on site. Go to TireRack.com Dan. See their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com/dan tirerack.com the way tire buying should be bringing chris sims who knows a lot about football though chris how are you
3: I'm doing good. I I was wondering, I mean, first off, you know, Fritzy texted me, I think after the first weekend of football or basketball telling me I was in the lead and I was like, Oh great. Wow. I can't believe I was in the lead, but all my final four teams were like out of it already. So I knew I was going to get killed there. So uh, I, I, I uh, that was a good game to watch last night. I feel bad for Gonzaga. You know, you have a year like that. And then to, to lose that way where it was never even close. I do feel for them, but Baylor clearly better
4: yeah you had virginia michigan villanova and illinois as your final four.
3: Oh man
4: you went over for
1: four
3: I, I went over four i'll be back next year i'm gonna i didn't watch <laughs> much college basketball this year so i need to uh pay attention a little bit more uh for whatever reason i just didn't get into it this year
4: all right let's grade what the jets did uh yeah. by trading sam darnold to carolina well, I, I mean, listen, I like it. You
3: know, one first thing off the bat, Dan, I'm a, I'm a Zach Wilson fan. I, I, I think it's special. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's ultimately what they're thinking too. They're, they're seeing or their opinions line up with me to where, wait, okay, film was great. Oh, wait, now we had pro day whoa holy cow everything we saw in film he can do you know in the pro day setting so that kind of like uh you know solidifies that aspect of it and of course I'm sure they got to meet with him and talk to him a little bit more to where they they check off all the boxes so yeah I love it, it it's Joe Douglas he's taken a quarterback to to start his era and he's gonna build a team with a young nucleus around this young quarterback Sam Darnold's still really good uh I still have faith in him but yeah for me this was, this was the right decision for the Jets because I think Zach Wilson's kind of that Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes type talent.
4: Now, Steve Young, uh, the Hall of Fame quarterback, was on KNBR in San Francisco, and he said that yeah. uh, Zach Wilson, his family, wants to have him go to the Niners. Uh, could, could you see Zach Wilson say, hey, I don't want to go to the Jets here?
3: Whoa, I mean, that would be some gutsy play. It's the same offense either way. I mean, that we do know. Now, of course, hey, I, I got respect for Michael LaFleur, but he's not Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is arguably the most creative offensive play caller in football, certainly in everybody's top three or four. That's for sure. Uh, I, you know, John Beck, who coaches Zach Wilson, he, of course, played for Kyle Shanahan so I'm sure there's some things he's heard. But, I, you know, again, I, I think that's dicey water. Would I love that for my friend? And would I love to see Zach Wilson out there in that offense with that football team? Sure, of course I would. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know if this is Zach Wilson's that type of guy that's going to pull this type of move off.
4: All right. Carolina gets Sam Darnold.
3: I, I, I think it's a perfect fit for Carolina. You know, I think the first thing that goes to my mind is... Okay, Carolina didn't like what they might get at number eight as far as drafting a quarterback, right? I think that's the first thing that kind of went, ooh, what's going to happen with these five first-round quarterbacks now? But then when they just talk about Sam Darnold, and you know, I know I've talked to you about this a little bit. He, he didn't have a support system. Carolina's going to run that Joe Brady, a.k.a. Sean Payton offense that we saw. They want a Joe Burrow, Drew Brees type of guy. Not necessarily like the biggest arm guys in the world but guys who are smart can get the ball out of their hand in a hurry and phenomenal intermediate thrower. That's where I always look at Sam Darnold and just evaluate him and go, ooh, great 12-yard throw. Ooh, great 15-yard in-cut. Wow, ooh, 20-yard you know skinny post. Perfect. All of that. And I think that's the way they want to run their offense that way let alone with the receiver they have and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, who's a superstar and McCaffrey coming out and all of that. I just think Donald's a more talented football player and uh, can deliver more for the offense and talent they have there in Carolina.
4: I'm curious if, and, and I've said this before, reported this, that there are four different people who've said that the Niners are taking Mac Jones, but I was told that there was still some questions about is Trey Lance make more sense. Whether that's true or not, that's what I was told. Now you have Atlanta at 4. What's Atlanta doing? Is it do they do they get Matt Ryan's successor or do they give him some ammo here to make another run? I know. Well,
3: that's the million dollar question and I think they are, you know, again, you you know my thoughts. I think the 49ers are going to go Mac Jones. All right, I do. I think that's also why you see Carolina make this move cuz they were probably hoping, wait, Mac Jones, he could be that Joe Burrow, Drew Brees guys we talk about to run our offense. So that's why they moved on from that. But but Atlanta is yeah, one of the mysteries. I mean, everybody in the NFL thinks they're hot on Trey Lance at number 4. It makes sense as far as the situation's concerned. You know, yeah, I think he's a guy that needs to sit behind somebody for a year. Uh, you know, and and learn how to play and polish and and learn how to read defenses and go through progressions. You don't see a ton of that. Life was made very easy for him at North Dakota state. They ran the ball. It was play actions. It was one or two guys. And then he'd take off and run and do that. So that from that standpoint, it makes sense. But I mean, would the air, the era we're in right now, 2021, what is Matt Ryan? 36 years old. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, yeah. but he's got a lot of good years left here to where I don't just don't know if I would quite be thinking about making the quarterback move yet. And I would think, man, Ryan Tannehill plays similar to Ryan Tannehill, who Arthur Smith just came from there with the Tennessee Titans. And I would think that would be a perfect fit or a f- perfect match together.
4: Yeah. I'm just not sure if you. You know, plug Kyle Pitts in there.
3: Uh, I know. That's what I, I hear you. You're right. Pl- plug a Kyle Pitts in there, and that'll change their team. When you talk about Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and now him at tight end, and he's a, a solid blocker, not a great blocker, but willing and going to do that. You look at all those things, and, yeah, they're going to have something special there to, to deal with on that side of the ball.
4: But I'm also wondering, you know, you have Cincinnati at five. Yeah. And I don't know if – is somebody going to trade up? You know, is is somebody going to trade up to four with Atlanta? Is somebody going to trade up to five? You know, is Denver going to do anything here? It feels like you know that uh, quarterback carousel. You know, we got the game of musical chairs, and somebody not going to have a seat here.
3: I I, I agree. I, I think that's what's interesting, I, and I think what Atlanta you might hear, at least from my standpoint, as we go for, further here, I think there there's also the possibility they go wait. We don't, if we want Trey Lance, it doesn't seem like we got to take them at four. Maybe they could trade down a little bit like that. You know, again, pick number four for a quarterback who didn't play last year. And then even the year before that, like we talked about, the game was made simple and there's very few drop back passes, man, that would scare the hell out of me, Dan. There's just no way I'd pick a quarterback like that in the top five. There's absolutely no way. Um, so, but I think to your point, you know, now with the Carolina seat filled, Denver, I I have a hard time thinking they're going to draft a quarterback. I could see them maybe getting the Teddy Bridgewater conversation or something like that to compete with Drew Locke. If Drew Locke falls apart early in the season, hey, we got Teddy Bridgewater to fall back on. I could certainly see that. But, yo, after you get past that top 10 and those teams we just mentioned, who else is there? Maybe New England at 15, maybe Washington at 19. You know, that that's where it does get interesting. And it it could be one of those things where a few of these guys fall to later in the first round. I would not be shocked by that. I thought new England might go up. Right. Right. But I think, yes, I think that I think I had that same thought that they might go up, but my thought was it would be to go up to get Mac Jones and now Shanahan and the 49ers have squashed that. So I'm sure that's changed their plans a little bit, too. And who knows? You know, again, I think Kellen Mond from Texas A&M is a first-round quarterback. You know, and maybe New England's got their eye on him in the second round. Trade up then. Do something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's still some guys out there that that got some talent. Uh, McLevin
4: has a poll question for
2: you, Chris. Okay. okay. Which team had the best uh, offseason in the quarterback market so far? The Rams getting Matthew Stafford. The Panthers getting Sam Darnold. The Jets trading Sam Darnold. Uh, the Lions getting Jared Goff, the 49ers trading up to three, or the Bears getting Andy Dalton?
3: Whoa, okay. So we know it's not the Bears, okay? I mean, <laughs> hey, so, hey. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to really, for me, it it comes down to the Zach Wilson Jets and the Matthew Stafford Rams. And I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford and the Rams right now. I am. Yeah. I mean, that was a big-time move by the Los Angeles Rams to to pull that off, and Stafford, you know, as we all know, has some really, really special abilities about his game. It's one of the greatest arms ever. You know, he's been in some crap, crap situations, so now to see him on that team with that defense, now McVay can open up the playbook a little bit, I think that's the one I'm most excited about, and of course, he's a proven commodity, not like these, you know, first-round picks that we haven't seen play yet. I know what I'm getting and Matthew Stafford.
4: Although he hasn't won a game in the playoffs.
3: Oh, I know. Well, it, you know, it's not he can't he can't catch the ball or not call penalties like he did in the Dallas game or the Seattle playoff game. You know, it wasn't his fault
4: they didn't win those games. I think there is a difference okay, to that. Okay, all, right, yeah, all right. Yeah. Could you see a scenario where Aaron Rodgers hosts Jeopardy and continues to play quarterback for the Packers?
3: Oh, I I I, I mean You're really, I would love to see it for theatrics. I mean, you and I would have a lot of great talks, you know, after games during the week, uh, if that was the case. But if you're going to do that, you better be careful of how you orchestrate it. I mean, you and I both know, like, if he has a game where he throws three interceptions and they lose by ten points and he was, you know, busy filming Jeopardy the Monday before, I mean, that's what we're gonna roast him on. He's never gonna hear the end of that. Well, so he that's won't he where... won't
4: film any episodes during the season. So you think it'll be all off season? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. it, it, yeah, it can okay. it can happen. Okay. Yeah. T- it I, can
3: happen whatever.
4: Yes. All right. Yes. All right.
3: Yes. I could see a scenario of that happening. I definitely can. You know, the off season, the way it's set up right now in the NFL, he can certainly pull that off. Work, get prepared for the Green Bay Packers, take a day here and there to do Jeopardy is not going to ruin his preparation. As long as it's not during the season, I, I, I kind of like it. I want to see it, actually.
4: Yeah, he can make this happen. Uh, it's about 50 days, but he's got to do five shows each day. And, and then you you meet that number, and he'd be able to do it. But I'm, there's something else going on in Green Bay.
3: I agree. That's where I wanted to go with that. Yeah, I agree. There's something going on. But the only way I, it
4: changes is if they trade Jordan Love. As long as Jordan Love is there, then there's going to be, you know, friction, something, you know, that's underlying. And maybe it's not even that. It's percolating to the surface here.
3: it. it if you made me bet money i would say this is aaron rodgers last year in green bay the that, the that, that, that it's over that he's going to he's drawn a line in the sand there's no clarity to his future and he's going to draw yeah, a but, line but in the sand but he didn't
4: draw the line in the sand i, I know th- he didn't the I, think think drawn, did. I think he's
3: going i think he's going to draw his own line in the sand and be like <laughs> okay you want to do this and i see your line over there i'm going to wipe it away and draw my own line and this is it we're yeah. done yeah. you know i i do i have that sense too dan and you know i even brought up to florio today about You know, his restructuring of his contract. And I just thought, like, you know, maybe he would say no to some of those things too, just to be like, no, I'm not helping you out. Sorry, we're not going to add years to my career or add years to the contract or anything like that. I'm going to make it to where I can wiggle and get the hell out of here if I want at the end of this season.
4: How did it work for the Patriots when they drew a line in the sand?
3: Not so good. Not so good. It's, it's, there's some similarities here. I think, you know, I'm sure that's given Rogers a little confidence to where he looks at it and goes, wait, wait, it, they're not kind of, you know, committing to me to the future and they're not willing to kind of go all in to help me, which is some of the Brady issues with new England. And I'm out here at the end of my career where I need somebody that's going to go all in. It's, it's, it's my last push. And no, it didn't work out very well for the New England Patriots, well, and that's but, either. But at rebuilding. some point,
4: Chris, you yeah. have to utilize Jordan Love's yes. contract. Like you yes. have to go. We drafted him. You don't want to get him into his fourth year, and then you go, okay, let's see what you have, and now we may have to franchise you or give you that extension. It just doesn't that that doesn't make practical sense for the Packers. No.
3: It's bad business. That's why picking him was bad business. You know, I mean, let's go to the one position in our team that we know is top notch in the NFL. And like not even you can't even argue. He's not a top three at his position. Let's draft the guy for the future there. I mean, that's where it does not make sense to me at all. It never will. Rogers was right. just
4: too good last year. Like he was better than the Packers thought he was going to be, in my opinion. I- I
3: guess so. I guess there's there's something to that. Because they're like, um, Oh my god, he's, he won the MVP.
4: You know? I it, it, I know.
3: There were signs the year before, though, even though it wasn't perfect the year before, there was still a lot of moments where you went, ooh, he's getting comfortable in this offense. This is starting to look like the old Aaron Rodgers once again. And of course, yeah, you're right. He's They're on the same page with him and Lafleur. Everything's perfect. Other than that, he could use another weapon to really kind of make that offense elite elite.
4: Uh, Thanks for joining us as always.
3: Hey, you're the man. Keep Always your head up, enjoy you. Yeah, keep, I will. I will. I'll go. I'll keep working on my NCA bracket. No problem.
4: Yeah. All right. That's yeah. Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host with Mike Florio.
2: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL Draft, quarterbacks, coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecom, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Choose from the full lineup of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They bring the tires to your home or office and install them on site. Go to TireRack.com slash Dan, see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Dan. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. As you may have realized, I watch a lot
2: of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, the Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime.
4: Coach, did you have your uh, little Debbie's cakes today?
6: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that... Uh, is some, that ma- some, some some things never change. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what if they're not there? How, how's your day go after that?
6: Well, I got a, probably the two of the largest cookie jars you've ever seen in your life full of them. <laughs> and when they get half full, I sort of go into panic mode and some kind of way, they get filled back up.
4: <laughs> Is it somebody's job to fill up your cookie jar? That's their that's their main job?
6: Uh, that's their job, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I'm afraid to retire. You know, i don't if be anybody there to fill up my <laughs> cookie jar. Uh,
4: I'm sure that there's some coaches around the SEC that would gladly, uh, you know, fill up your cookie jar if you decided to leave. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> Do you I don't uh know about that part? Do you fill out a, a bracket for March Madness? You ever done that before?
6: Yeah. Really? Did I you? do it every year. I we do we, we, have, we do we do a family, um, you know, like everybody in the family, both sides of the family, you know, my daughter, her husband, his family, you know, everybody. And um, you know, I, I really don't wanna sound, you know, facetious or anything, but I had Baylor. Winning it all, which uh, kind of made me the winner. <laughs> I didn't know you followed college basketball. Well, I don't. That's what the hard thing about picking the brackets is. Because I, I, I pick Baylor, and I hadn't seen them or Gonzaga see the one play all year. I, you know, I kind of just rely on you know every now and then I see some replays on you know ESPN or something or hear people talk about them. So it's uh, yeah. I, I really don't have much time to watch it. So it's uh, kind of hit, hit or miss. You know, I, I didn't start out very well. The last four end. You know those games yeah. that UCLA was in. I was zero for four. <laughs> I didn't pick one of them.
4: Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, the first four is pretty tough to pick. Yeah. Did you play hoops growing up?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I played in high school. Played, um, yeah, and I love it. I do. I just, I played until a year ago when I got my hip replacement. We played noontime basketball here every day.
4: Well, what's the scouting report on you?
6: Uh, Point guard, um, commissioner of the league, um, (laughs) pick the best players to be on my team, call the fouls. And we, we do pretty well, actually. You know. Are you like the uh,
4: the Globetrotters and the opponents, the Washington Generals, you you guys never lose?
6: That's kind of that way, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. so we appreciate the competition you know, whenever we get some.
4: Have you been to the Masters?
6: Uh, I have been one time, and I'm actually going Saturday night to spend a little time there on Sunday. Now you're going to be the guest
4: of uh, somebody who's playing, or just as a spectator?
6: Know. You know, I, I'm I'm doing uh, some function there. Oh, okay. Uh, for somebody on Saturday night, so I'm just going to stay over. My daughter and her husband want to go. They've never been to the Masters, so typically when I do things like that, I go and come back. Um, but this time they wanted to go, so we're going to stay and they're going to have an opportunity to watch on Sunday. I took my son when I was a coach at LSU, when he was probably, I don't know, maybe 14 years old or something. Um, but that's the only time I've actually gone to watch it. Have you played? Oh yeah. I play every year. Yeah. Every year I go, um, there are several, you know, supporters of the program here that are members there. And they, you know, one of the three or four of them invite me every year. And, you know, we, um, We, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. That's probably one of my favorite things to do. Do you
4: listen to your caddy? Uh,
6: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can play there if you don't. I know. (laughs) Not on the greens, at least. I mean, it's ridiculous.
4: I try to tell people that whatever you see on TV, it is nothing like that in person because it there's so many mounds and the undulation of the green. Like, it's crazy. And, and I had a yeah, caddy tell me, hey, don't ask any questions. I'm going to tell you where to put it, and you put it right there. And I listened to him and probably sh- saved ten shots.
6: No question. If, if you didn't have somebody telling you, I mean, I can't figure it out. I mean, maybe other people can figure it out, and I'm sure pro guys can figure it out, but Man, I tell you what, there's elephants buried in some of the greens. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He's uh, Nick Saban, I mean, the elephant. Of all the places that, that, you know, you play golf. I mean, to me, that's the one place, you know, I'm the kind of golfer that just, I'm happy to hit it on the green. But hitting it on the green there in the wrong place is, you, you might be better off hitting the sand trap. <laughs>
4: Uh, he's Nick Saban, the Alabama head coach. Uh, what is your role or was your role
6: at a pro day? Um, really not much of anything. Um, you know, I get asked questions uh, by a few guys, mostly that I know, which is quite a few guys in the NFL. I know that I worked with when I was in the NFL and, um, you know, watch the players, encourage them. Uh, Do a little something for the media. But it's a very minimal um, route for the players. Hope they do well. Um, Try to encourage them uh, to do the right things uh, relative to. Now, I was on the other side being a pro coach for eight years. So I really try to encourage our guys to know that, you know, working for them, cooperating with them, these are things that create value for you. You know, refusing to do anything doesn't create value for you. So, you know, I, I just you know, I always tell guys, you don't want to give anybody the reason to say but. You know, I used to listen for that word all the time in a draft report, and as soon as it came up, nothing good ever came after it. And I, I said, so the choices and decisions you make, don't, don't give anybody a reason to say but. They're, they're looking for reasons not to pick you. Right. They're trying to find: Is there any flaws? Is there something wrong with you? But don't don't give them any reasons for that. And you got to cooperate to be able to do that.
4: What did you tell Kyle Shanahan about Mac Jones?
6: He didn't ask me a thing. Didn't ask me a thing. I said hi to him, uh, John Lynch too. Um, they did not ask me a thing about him. They didn't ask me a thing. Wow. Maybe they thought they weren't allowed to because. You know, out there on in the pro day floor, which is where I saw him. Yeah. You know, I I think that they that I don't know all their rules, but I think their rule is, is they're not really allowed to to talk to me. Um, so you know, I stood by Belichick. We didn't talk, but um, so it. You know, I don't know what their rules are, and I don't know what the reason for some of their rules are, but is where it is
4: wait so you stand next to Belichick but you guys don't talk and you guys are great friends
6: yeah well we talked a little bit before you know I mean whether by phone or whatever we, we, we always talk about whatever we need to talk about what was you... you know he, he, Linda was his secretary in Cleveland my secretary now or my assistant and um, so he always comes up and says hello to her and, you know it's it, 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 it's, that's kind of lifelong.
4: When did you know Mac Jones was something different, considering we thought he was going to Kentucky, he was a three-star recruit, you had two of there, but was there a moment where you go there's something different here because it feels like the NFL and these scouts kind of stumbled upon him the last couple of weeks here?
6: Well, I, I think that a lot of people got interested By the way, he played last year. Um, I mean, he did a phenomenal job. I mean, we had really good players around him, no doubt. A couple of really good receivers, you know, a couple of good running backs, really good offensive line. But Max, really intelligent, very smart, very accurate with the ball, and makes good decisions about where he throws the ball. So that's a really good starting point for a guy being a good quarterback. You know, you can go on all these measurables and arm strength and all that, but that really doesn't make you a good quarterback. And, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers, who I was at Miami when Aaron Rodgers came out, and, you know, his coach told me that's how he was. And in a workout, he was probably not that much more impressive than, you know, somebody else. But those instinctive intangibles that a a quarterback has are, you know, invaluable to being successful at the position. And I think that's why that's so hard to evaluate. And um and I think that's why that's the number one failure position in the draft is because of that being such a hard thing to evaluate. So but you asked me a question about when did I met know Mac Jones was gonna be a good player. Um I was impressed with the way Mac played in fall camp. Uh, and I was hopeful that he would be able to continue to be able to play that way you know when the games came and you know he didn't disappoint you know at all he really prepared for the games well he sort of changed his mindset he you know early in his career he was a an anxious guy that you know really had a tough time overcoming you know mistakes in his own mind and playing the next play and you know he kind of you know, got over that, matured through that and um, you know, he really prepared well for games and he was always able to execute exactly what we wanted him to do. So I think the world of him and you know, we've had a lot of three star players. You know, everybody goes on these stars but um, you know, Quentin Williams didn't have a lot of stars and he was the third guy picked in the draft and Josh Jacobs didn't have a lot of stars and he was, you know, a first round draft pick, so Um, but we don't go on the stars. I never know how many stars a guy has until, like, after recruiting. You know, somebody says, hey, you had this many nine-star guys or five-star guys or whatever they are. (laughs) You know, and um, I, I just, we evaluate kind of like you do for the draft. And we have criteria for what we're looking for in every position, and it's very similar to what a lot of pro teams would look for at those positions, and And that's how we try to develop our team and develop our players. And um, when we find guys, we don't care how many stars they have, and just you know, kind of try to develop those guys. And some of them have turned out to be pretty good. And some of the guys that had a lot of stars, you know, it turned out to not be so good.
4: Before I let you go, was it uh, true that Mac was carving up the defense in practice, and you told him to kind of settle down and stop? Carving up the defense—did that actually happen?
6: Uh, I remember the carving up the defense part. That happened quite often. I don't ever remember asking him to quit doing that. Uh, he might have felt that because it was a little frustrating at times trying to develop. You know, we had like eight new starters on defense, and they didn't have a lot of confidence. So, you know, when you go out there every day and get sort of, you know, shredded, uh, it's kind of hard to develop confidence. But in that group, but. I, I knew we were going to have the kind of team that was going to have to outscore people, especially early on. Until we got the defense a little better and they got a little better the you know second half of the year, and um, you yeah, know the offense was very productive, and that's how we won.
4: Uh, recapping uh, one of the greatest wins of uh, your career, Baylor wins the national championship. You win your bracket, so uh, pretty pretty good year for you, coach. And uh, always great
6: to catch up with you. Yeah, but I didn't want anything except bragging rights. So no, I don't want anybody to think out there I'm a gambler because I'm not. But that's that's when it comes to your family, to to be able to have bragging rights, it's it's worth a lot more than the money. Oh, you got bragging rights, Coach. I would
4: have everybody in your family run a lap. Yeah,
6: well, I, I just like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told everybody last night. I said, "Look, I'm going to show class in this victory." <laughs> um, I called my daughter with uh, like four minutes to go in the game, and I said, "You know, I'm not ready to claim victory. I just want to know if you're ready to concede." <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she, she had Gonzaga. She, she she wasn't too happy about that. That's good. <laughs>
4: Uh, great, great to catch up with you. Safe travels to Augusta there, Coach, and uh, we'll connect with you uh, some, sometime down the road.
6: All right, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you. Have a good day.
4: That's uh, Coach Saban. Be sure to catch the live
2: edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.